You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Are you an artist who's looking for ways to continually exercise your creative muscles, find different avenues through this pandemic to continue to create the art you love? Well, then today's part two conversation with Aaron Kronikan is for you. Well, thank you for joining me once again here on Why I'll Never Make It. To join the newsletter or take part in this season's podcast survey, go to whyillnevermakeit.com. The first part of my conversation with Aaron was very personal and intimate. And so in lieu of a final five episode, I wanted this part two conversation to be a chance for us to widen out a bit and focus on the craft of producing theater in this era of COVID. But it certainly affects us not only artistically, but also in the home. Have you been trying new recipes? I've been trying to do new things. Yeah, sort of. I mean, begrudgingly, because <laughs> I really don't cook. I really shouldn't be in a kitchen ever. I got to. Uh, I have not. I joked on Twitter, like, just you can count on me to never post a I just baked bread picture because that will never be happening. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, just trying to enjoy the night. I'll do a little bit of work on our education program and yeah, just yeah. try to maybe watch a movie. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much what it's like. What do we want to watch today? What do I want to cook today? Those are those are the big questions that I go through now. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because I, I have not, I didn't audition last weekend for, for a commercial, oddly enough. Huh. Yeah, but but other than that, in the last three weeks, I have not submitted a thing. I have friends who are um, creating online projects. I've got two projects that I'm going to be contributing to, so I'm starting to think about those. So I do have some creative things and like coming down the pike, but I've even thought about doing something like my, uh, that myself, gathering some actors and doing just like an online reading or mm -hmm. just something to just kind of exercise those muscles again. Absolutely. And, and since you've probably dealt with this, in doing any kind of just like, hey, let's get three people together, we're going to read this play, do you have to go through any rights or anything like that if you, if you have it online? What, yes. what does that world look like? Yeah, I mean, it, if you're an individual artist... And obviously, I know we both know we're both members of the unions. Um, they don't seem to be policing the individual artists um, wanting to put something online of their own work. Um, it Licensing from a writer always needs to happen. Um, but it seems like putting a song online, it does not seem like the composers of this, these um, songs are um, coming after the individual artists, but as a theater company, we've been specifically told by equity, you do not have a contract to stream anything unless you get this off Broadway or higher contract, um, and pay health and pension. And this is not the level of theater that we're at right now. We have a different contract that no. allows for no video recording, no streaming whatsoever. And equity has said, you know, if that changes, if we come up with a contract for you at your level, we'll let you know. In the meantime, you cannot put anything up. So um, I, I really do hope that that COVID 
finally kicks equity in the butt and makes them realize we're in a digital visual world that is online and, yeah, I mean, for, and equity us, needs to join that world. You know, we have an opportunity to pay even more than we would have before because our overhead is so low. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we have a little bit of money in the bank. So even if we could do, because uh, what we asked for was, can we use the stage reading code, which is, you know, um, for a musical, it's, um, you know, 25 hours um, of preparation, including the reading itself, or you can do 19 hours for um, a play and you pay the actors $100. Like we can afford that. Yeah. So can we do that? No, it doesn't count for streaming. That's only for live performance. So um, it just leaves us with not much that we can do while all these other theaters are innovating and putting things online, um, theater, theaters of our size are not allowed to. Um, so, so that limits it. But as an individual artist, I'm opting to do those smaller things um, where I'm just putting you know, a monologue online here or a scene there or a song there. Um, and then when someone comes and tells me I can't do that, I'll have that conversation then. Yeah. But yeah. I assume some kind of like audition cut or, you know, whatever presentation. I mean, you know, because Studio 54, all the, you know, we release these song snippets, you know, all, all the time, even before. Yeah. So, and they've, I've, I've never heard of anyone getting, you know, slapped down for that. So, yeah. I mean, when you're performing in the cabaret community, the, there's a, each of the venues has a license with right. ASCAP, which allows that. you to do snippets of songs or doing, or doing snippets of musicals without having to pay licensing as an mm. artist. Um, but uh, I don't, I, it's a wild, wild west out there for the online world, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, uh, hopefully equity kind of joins the program because he, he, even even years ago, I remember that uh, a friend of mine had written a play and was presenting it at an Orlando Fringe Festival. And because because I was in it, no one else was in the union, but I, but I was, I was equity. And because of that, he couldn't record it just for his own sake. Yes. And it's like, no, 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 he's, he's, he wants to get this play and maybe license it. And so he needs to have some, he's taking okay. notes, but he needs to have some video of it. And equity was like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. And it's like, we're, we're not selling it. It, it it's just it, equity. I, I just find, I, I get frustrated when they don't seem to understand what artists actually need. Yeah, I think that uh, what would really make it a lot better, and it would not take very much to do this, is to have a liaison in the union that allows the individual artist to reach out and say, here's why I'd like to waive this particular um, rule of this contract. Here's what I'm willing to give up. And I'm going to sign on the dotted line. Yeah. And um, and because I understand why for globally they want that rule. And I would like as an artist to be able to say, but it's okay in this case for me. Yeah. You know, um, and as self-producing artists, like my theater company, we're all actors. About half of us are a member of equity. um, And we are all self-producing specifically to get ourselves out there. And by having no ability to put ourselves out there um, during this time is, is, it, it's crushing for us as as union artists who are trying to make a name for ourselves and and I understand that we don't make money for the union when we are this small as a as a theater company 
Um, but as union artists, we contribute quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and we contribute quite a lot to our community. And what's interesting is that, you know, we have an imperative as a nonprofit theater organization to maintain our mission. But the union is actually not allowing us to do that. So we're having to, in order to stay, um, keep our nonprofit status, we have to be doing what we set out to do. Um, so we're having to innovate to keep that going as much as we can. Which is, uh, which I, I guess is this educational route that you're going because then equity has no say in that. Exactly. Uh, 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 <laughs> equity can be great. And then, yeah, because I've sat in on those on those committee meetings and they give concessions all the time to things. So I would think that one actor can be like, you know what, I'm going to let my playwright record this thing for archives so that he has a video. Well, the interesting it. thing is you say that you have sat in on those council meetings. Um, once you become a self-producer, uh, you are considered conflict of interest and they don't allow you to go to any meetings anymore because now you're an employer and technically um, people could feel really uncomfortable to be open in a meeting knowing that a potential employer is there listening. So I, as an equity actor, no longer have a voice. I can't go to membership meetings. <laughs> oh my God. I can't be on a council. I can't like, yeah. as a producer, you would think that maybe I would be on the council for the, the showcase code in New York, um, you know, to help develop it, to help make it worthy for our members who are now producing. And they don't let us. So interesting. So I'm a conflict of interest. I'm just going to have that be, that's going to be my epitaph. Right. I am a conflict of interest. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but in a way, all of us are self-producing, whether we're doing stuff. So, so, so what, if I like wrote a web series and got some friends and did it, then, well, I can't be in equity membership meetings anymore. Like, well, I mean, technically that's SAG. That's SAG. So SAG. <laughs> loves their self-producers so there's a big difference um but yeah if you were to write a play and you were to produce it as a producer of record um you are now a conflict of interest what if i just write the play but let someone else do it they might, then if, that's something. okay again because because that's actually something that uh, again during this time when i have have you know my creative juices needing something i've, I've wanted to like okay, I have a couple of ideas for plays and want to start to write them down, flesh it out, see where it goes. Yeah. All right. But as long as I don't produce it, then I'm okay. Right. Then you're okay. You can still go to membership meetings and try to like make a difference. Is it, is it just being that, that producer? Like what if you direct something that's okay? Directing is fine. Yeah. Cause it's not related to the union whatsoever. Okay. Um, but as a producer, I'm filing with the union to do this particular production under the header of our production company. And yeah. Oh, equity. So interesting. So interesting. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I'll let you get to, you know, cooking whatever you're going to cook. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. See if I'm alive tomorrow or I burn the kitchen down. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you for taking the time out to, to talk with me, Erin. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, a big thank you to Erin, as well as to you for being a part of this conversation. I think artists like Aaron are a true testament to what theater can do and, and the type of inspiration and motivation that this art can create. I know I have certainly personally gained a lot out of this time spent with Aaron, and I hope you've enjoyed it as well. If you can think of anyone who would benefit from this conversation, then please feel free to share this with them. 
Again, don't forget to go to resources.winmepodcast.com to see how you can contribute and donate to the Seeing Eye Theater. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and let's get together next time as we talk more about why I'll never make it. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.